Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Just an FYI, we recorded this episode before we were in a pandemic. We thought that might be useful context for you. Indeed. But we hope it still brings you insight and inspiration during this challenging time. Hang in there. The Limit Does Not Exist is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single week. And hosted by us. Welcome back to our virtual office. We're here with our second installment of Office Hours, in which we tackle your big questions and common human Venn diagram challenges. Today, we're helping you talk about yourself. How do you explain who you are and what you do in a way that makes sense to others? And even more importantly, to you. 
As you navigate interviews, parties, and first impressions of all kinds, we're here to help you present your myriad skills as the highly valuable package that they are, and not as something that you need to downplay or hide in a closet on the internet somewhere. (laughs) We'll help you reverse engineer the whole process by identifying your personal through lines, translatable skills, and yes, your personal brand. We'll even break down brass tacks, like what the heck to put on your website. So whether you're gearing up to change careers, move into a new industry, or you just want to feel comfortable and confident about all of the pieces of your story, you've come to the right office. So let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. So Christina, tell me about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is there a more dreaded question for humans than diagrams? think there is. That question is just all of the prickliness that comes with it, I feel. Every guest we've had on the show has a <laughs> deer in the headlights look the second we, we ask them that. I mean, whether it's a, like a job interview or it's a networking event, or it could just be like meeting someone new at a dinner party. Yes. This question can feel like such a landmine, right? Because yeah, at its core, it's about how do you show who you are? As a whole person, yeah, without you know <laughs> coming across as fifty whole people, yeah, yeah like, without just like listing out your whole resume, right? Like it's such a yeah. fine line to toe, but it's so powerful when you get it right. Well, it's absolutely right, and it's a great place for us to start in this episode because you know it really kind of opens up everything, all of the feelings and fears that come up with how do I talk about myself in a way that will make sense to you, person. And I think, Christina, something that I really like to do is when you hear a question like that, so tell me about yourself, I like to kind of unpack it. So first ask, what is this question really about? Like, Mm -hmm. it's a way of getting to know you. I feel like this question is just one of those things that's kind of perpetuated in our culture because it's kind of like, I don't know where to begin. So why don't you just begin somewhere? You know what I mean? (laughs) They're putting the onus on you to kick off the conversation. And at the very least, here in New York and and a fair number of other major cities I've lived in, your job is a proxy for who you are, which is like not actually a true statement, but it's how people start to get to know you. That's not true in all cultures, but I think in the U.S. and certainly on the East Coast, the job as a starting point for conversation is a really natural easy place to start, but it can feel really problematic when you don't have just one job. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, it actually reminds me of when I was in college, I was in a sorority and we had, of course, sorority rush. And the proxy there was, where are you from? What dorm do you live in? And I remember remember that this girl came through on the second or third day of rush and on her t-shirt, she wrote her name, where she was from and what dorm she lived in. And I sat down with her and she said, okay, now that you know all of that, let's talk about some fun stuff. And I was just amazed by her. Did you like that or was it, uh, did it feel like a little aggressive? Well, you know, I thought it was really clever because at that point I was so tired of asking those questions as starters. And I think that's another thing to really think about, right? Is that at the baseline here, 
what is hopefully going to happen in an interview or a dinner party or a networking event mm -hmm. is that there will be a human connection. If you're asked this question, tell me about yourself in an interview, they already have your resume. And if you're asked it in a social setting, they can look at your portfolio online later. So mm -hmm. I think it can really help to take the pressure off and that very sort of inorganic aspect to this question by really releasing yourself from needing to be a resume and find some other ways in. Sure. So let's talk about what a few of those are, a few of those sort of sparks to answer this question. So I like to think of this as less about the like, let me tell you about my entire work history and more about <laughs> let me sort of share my personal brand. Now, mm -hmm. some people are going to cringe at that <laughs> phrase and I get it. Believe me, I do. However, it's a good shorthand for saying, let me tell you about what matters to me and the types of work I'm doing or the thing that I'm putting out in the world. Because that's ultimately what I think a personal brand comes down to. I don't remember who actually originally said this, but it's a phrase that I refer to a lot when I'm doing personal brand consulting, is that marketing is what you say about yourself and brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's really interesting because I think yeah. even just that term personal brand can sound so like far away. It can sound, oh, feel know. so over there. When you're meeting, you know, if you're introducing your friend to someone new, what are the first things that come to mind when you're about to introduce them? If I'm like, hey, this is Kate. She is, I'm making this up off the fly. So do not <laughs> hold me to this later. I am wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> she is this dynamite multi-hyphenate storyteller and creator who I have been collaborating with for several years and just is obsessed with how do we tell great stories, particularly to get women and girls really excited about things like math and STEM and technology and owning their future. That's your brand to me, based on what I know about you and how we've interacted. That might not be your brand as an actress in LA, but in our work, that's how I talk about you when you're not in the room, by the way. So what's helpful in personal brand work is sort of figuring out how you would want to be mentioned or discussed when you're not in the room. What are the pieces that you would put together? And part of that is based on your purpose, your why, what do you care about? And part of that is based on what is the actual work that you do that you want to contribute to that purpose, that why. Yeah, I think you bring up a really great point, Christina, too, which of course is built in. And that is, of course, this depends on what room you're in and who you're talking with. And sure. so there's some calibration there. I love that point about how would you want people to talk about you? And it can feel... I know, really overwhelming to say those things about yourself. It often can be easier to say, oh, I am my own fake assistant advocating for myself <laughs> rather yeah. than myself advocating for myself. Mm -hmm. And so something that I really like to do is I really like to think about including both personal and professional information and really thinking of a launch point that I don't need to answer every possible piece of that question. I just need to get the conversation started and we can go from there. The number one thing you want someone to say after you've answered that question is, ooh, tell me more. That's because right. Because that, that gives you that opportunity to go into those details. 
If, on the other hand, you have dominated the airspace by just, you know, dumping a paragraph of information on them and their response to that is, oh, and then they turn to the person on the other side of them at the dinner table. That's not a good thing. Right. So this actually brings me to one of my favorite public speaking tips is that whenever you're giving a speech, you can really think about it as a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you are the only one speaking. And certainly in this situation, you are literally in a conversation. Even if you are the one who's talking about yourself at the moment, you're still calibrating, did they get that, right? Is this really a two-way street? Are we two human beings here getting to know each other, you know, to really kind of drop yourself into the moment and be the whole person that you are. (laughs) Absolutely. And back to the conversation of it matters what room you're in, right? And who you're Mm -hmm. talking to. This is where you really have to calibrate for how much do they understand the work that I'm doing, the jargon that I might use in that world, right? Do I need to translate some of this so that it makes sense? And what level of detail might interest them? I'm going to speak very differently to an audience that's super familiar with the startup world than I am if I am speaking with some nonprofit funders, right? So really understanding kind of that check for comprehension, right? The, the did they get that? And which of the things that I said sparked a little interest in their eyes, that gives you those clues of where to take this conversation. You know, one of my favorite things to do is think about a personal aspect of myself that could then help me go down different professional roads. So for example, one that I always really love to use is that I grew up on both sides of the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's true. I lived on one side of the bridge. I went to school on the other side of the bridge. And in fact, I spent my weekends over the Bay Bridge. I was constantly in cars on bridges. <laughs> but what this does for me is it allows me to illuminate, depending on the room, my ability to literally bridge worlds. Now, it's a bit of a literal metaphor, but it's a personal insight that then allows me to go, okay, if I'm speaking to somebody as an actress, then mm-hmm. I'm really able to talk about how I feel a facility in moving between characters. If I'm speaking with somebody about this podcast than my interest from a young age of really merging worlds. So finding some of those little gems of your past that a friend would absolutely say, oh, that's so cool, right? Or, oh, it makes sense that that was a part of your story. Those little gems can really help crack open bigger conversations. Well, and it goes back to the storied acting advice of show, don't tell. Right. Because instead of telling someone, I'm someone who can bridge worlds, you found this fantastic (laughs) little anecdote that gets that entire point across. I do the same thing that sometimes Mm. I mention that I climbed Kilimanjaro or that I've run marathons. But I would not consider myself a marathoner. Like I am a slow and steady turtle who doesn't give (laughs) up. Right. And like that shows you who I am through a quirky and memorable anecdote. And I think those are the elements in that. So tell me about yourself that makes it a conversation and a story is find the elements of your character, of who you are and why you care about things and what gets you out of bed every day 
and get that across through these images and stories and metaphors. Don't just list the verbs and adjectives on a resume that says like, I am hardworking and multidisciplinary and I can execute. Like, that's not interesting. I think it's actually a really fun exercise. You know, certainly our life graph tool that we mentioned in episode 102 can be a really great base for this. But you might even ask a friend to listen to a quick recap of some details of your life and ask them to tell you kind of what stands out as unique or interesting or like, oh, so that's why you do that. Or, oh, you would totally do that. And then you can kind of think about, well, what about that can directly sort of help open up part of my work. There's another tool that we love. You know, you came across it in your research. I use it actually when I'm helping others figure out their personal brand. Yeah. Um, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's this great workshop tool from PwC um, that really helps you kind of step through each of these stages of discovery to identify what your personal brand might be. I mean, I, I've mentioned this in previous episodes as well on the three questions that I asked everyone when I had my first startup fail. And I was trying to right. figure out what I should do next with myself. And, and it really was quite simple. Um, it was, what do you come to me for? When do you want my help? <laughs> um, yeah. Two was, where do I stand out? against my peers? Where am I really kind of head and shoulders above the rest? And three, crucially, when have you seen me happiest? And oh, those three answers, one. yeah, those three answers really kind of gave me the data that I needed to say like, oh, all of those things are true. And I didn't see that about myself because I'm in my head all day long. But that's, again, that's what people are saying about me when I'm not in the room. So if you're not sure and you don't know where to start on this, go and get some feedback. That's right. You know, we mentioned this before that often the things that are your superpowers are the things that feel really, really easy to you. And it really does help to have those around you shine a light on some of those and ask, exactly. you know, mm -hmm. I also like really trusting yourself and your own creativity to play within this format. Like, for example, I really like personifying things in a way that sort of creates a clever umbrella around my unique skills. Certainly the phrase human Venn diagram does that for us and, mm -hmm. and all of you on our show, right? I used to call myself a one woman think tank when I was just like very <laughs> much feeling like I was doing all of the things. And I was like, well, I think a friend was telling me that he was part of a think tank. And I was like, oh, ha ha, that's what I do all the time. And then I was like, well, why don't I kind of try personifying that? So my whole point here is to make sure that you're having fun with this and it feels playful and true to you. Not like you're standing up in front of a lecture hall, right? Having to speak at a podium <laughs> about yourself. I love that idea of like finding that image or that personification. I have a friend, yeah. Anjali Kumar, who describes herself as an idea doula. Oh Which my God. It's really interesting, right? That a, a way yeah. to kind of get across that she doesn't give you the ideas and you can't outsource them to her, but she can help you kind of grow them up and get them ready to be born um, in a way that I think sometimes 
is hard to describe otherwise. I love that. I think even just the process of bringing two things together that aren't usually put together just mm -hmm. says so much about your mind and your unique point of view. So that's going to be one of the through lines as we continue to talk about this today. Literally, how can you find your through lines? How can you mm -hmm. crack this in a unique way? Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. In my best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials 
cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation <laughs> yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's take a question from a listener. We have one from our friend Spencer. Yes, we do. Spencer is a voiceover actor, a writer, a creative director, and a video editor. I mean, he's also a vintage dresser and a Disneyland enthusiast. He is, and he also happens to be one of my favorite collaborators in Brains. He's edited many of my own projects, and fun fact, the videos for our podcast. I mean, he is an amazing editor, to be sure. But I can also speak to the vintage dressing and the Disneyland enthusiasm based off his amazing Instagram feed. Yes, check out at Dapper World Duo on Instagram. You're welcome. Okay, Spencer, what's your question? Hey, Kate and Christina. So here's my question. I often feel like my own human Venn diagramness might not come through in a first impression without uh, sounding like I'm bragging or like I'm a dilettante who just doesn't know what he wants to do. I was wondering what your thoughts would be on how a person could effectively communicate all the many circles of their own Venn diagram when they're meeting somebody. Or do you think it's even necessary to do that in a first meeting? Is it better to just bring new skills to the table as they're needed? Thank you. That is such a great question, Spencer. So here's my first take at this. The best thing you can do is to connect the dots for the listener. Mm. You can't expect them to see how your work in one area translates to another. So your job is to give them that narrative, right? To synthesize this. So here's an example of how if I were in your shoes, I might connect all of those different things that you do. 
You could say, I work in the entertainment industry as a performer, creator, and editor. And what makes my work stand out is that I have experience telling stories from multiple angles, whether I'm in the recording studio as a voiceover actor, or in post-production as a video editor, or crafting that big picture as a writer and creative director. And my experiences in each of those roles, they make me a better collaborator in the other ones. So you're getting all of those things you do across, but you're doing it in a way that says, I am better for having all of these multiple roles, not I am a dilettante, not I'm not good enough at any one of them to make a career out of it. It says by having these different skills, I am actually someone you want to work with even more. You know what I love about that, Christina, is even just as I was listening to you say it, it really shifted the power dynamic as I was listening to you. And this is another crucial idea that comes up in things like public speaking or performing, where even having a very brief motto like, put yourself in my hands or let me illustrate for you, right? Like a phrase that really says, it's okay if you don't understand right away. I've already worked the logic in and I'm going to show you why my unique skill set connects together in this beautifully unique and dynamic way. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I was thinking about, Spencer, is I was thinking about your body of work And we talk about the word translate a lot on the show, but the word translator came up for me when I was thinking about your work. So for example, in your work in voiceover dubbing, you specialize in adapting translated dialogue, literally, right? And researching the originating culture as you're putting a new language over words. As an editor, you've translated certainly my vision and many others to create a cohesive product. As a creative director and graphic designer, you're translating ideas into spot-on visuals. All of your work really sits in this umbrella of language from spoken to visual to coded in the way that you can create websites from scratch. So thinking about a common trait like Mm -hmm. somebody whose love of language informs what they do in different ways is also a great way to think about tying up all of the work in a way that feels communicatable. I love this, Kate. It's it's a way that says like, let me give you the thematic through line rather than recite the function and the industry that I work in. I think so much of when we talk about our, our work is I do this in that industry. I'm a project manager Mm -hmm. in healthcare. And, you know, sometimes when you have changed jobs or changed industries, it can make sense as long as one of those stays put and only the other one changes. But when both change or when they change too many times, that's when it starts feeling like the and, 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 you know, uh, disease. (laughs) And so (laughs) instead of even approaching an and, and, and situation, turn the whole answer 90 degrees and (laughs) find the theme, right? Find the thematic. Talk about being a translator rather than the specific jobs. I, 
I love this. Yeah, thank you. I really do think that it's a wonderful way also to create your own personal logic for yourself in a way that can be very empowering. Because when you're a translator, for example, right, and you can translate ideas into code or into visuals, et cetera, et cetera, that's a skill that can certainly apply across many, many industries. By the way, there are a couple of great articles on this that we found. One is called 10 Human Skills for the Future of Work, and it lists some core strengths like complex problem solving, conflict resolution, and empathy mindset. Another is literally called List of Strengths for Resumes, Cover Letters, and Interviews. <laughs> That's helpful. And, yeah, definitely. Those can be helpful to look through as you mine your body of work for your own through lines. On that note, we have another listener question from Lynn. We do. Lynn is a friend on Twitter. She is a longtime listener, and she mm -hmm. is pivoting her career toward product management. Yes. Her question to us was, how do you put your best foot forward on a resume or in person if you don't know the language of a new industry? Another great question. Another really, really great question. Uh, certainly that is so ripe uh, for all of us as we think about crossing industries. So Christina, what are your thoughts on this? So I did this pretty dramatically. Yes. My first couple of years right out of college, I worked in opera. I was at the Metropolitan Opera in right. a job called the Rehearsal Associate, which is like a niche within a niche, if you want to talk about translatable <laughs> industry. And when I went to business school and I was starting to interview for summer positions, I was going to interview for consulting, management consulting, which is nothing like opera. And I wasn't sure how to translate my experience at the Met, wrangling schedules and divas and animals, no joke, there are live <laughs> animals on stage at the Metropolitan Opera. How do I make that clear that like I should be giving management advice to Fortune 500 companies, right? Like this doesn't make sense uh, right. at first glance. So what I did was I grabbed one of my fellow MBA students and I said, we're going to put my resume down. We're not going to look at it. And I'm just going to tell you what I did in my job. We're going to talk about the the content of what I did day in and day out. And you're going to tell me the business jargon <laughs> that I need to use <laughs> to explain this to a business person instead of an opera person. And it took us about an hour. But in the end, we got to it where she said, oh, you just, you did operations. And I was like, Yes. Yes. I did, <laughs> I did operations, right? So I would say, you know, in the era of the internet, not knowing the language of the world you want to enter is not okay. Like you're totally forgiven for not knowing it off the bat, but it's out right. there and you can learn. So your job is to find either a person or a community. And this is one of the reasons I love Twitter. You can find that community and see how are they talking about their work? What is the jargon, the language, whatever it is? And how can I explain what I've done in their words rather than expect them to understand when I'm speaking in my kind of native tongue, if you will? Um, yes. And this is another place where stories are super helpful because stories can demonstrate how your experience translates back to that show, don't tell. I can tell you that I'm good with difficult personalities 
Or I can just tell you a story about how I got a certain opera singer to show up for rehearsal for which he was contractually obligated to do, but did not feel like doing. And that will help you understand why I'm pretty confident I can do client management. Yes, I think there's a couple of things that we're really talking about here. Lynn, I think you're asking about the actual language, the actual jargon of the industry, which Christina, as that colleague of yours, so beautifully helped you find with the word operations is so valuable. So I love that. Find someone who's already in the industry and have them help you with that translation. I think to your point too, Christina, about so much being available on the internet. I'm a really big fan of using skills that seem like they're just things that you do all the time to really help you here. So as a human Mm -hmm. Venn diagram, you are great at research. And this doesn't have to feel like an overwhelming deep dive. It can just be as simple as taking a look at the company's website, if you're looking at a company or different articles within the industry, and looking for the keywords and concepts that feel like they match those other areas that you have expertise in. So certainly project management is a perfect example of this. That is a set of skills that certainly can live in so many different industries. So I would really lean into your ability to learn new skills, your curiosity to really help you research. And the last thing I would say is to not be shy about being honest that you are new in this arena. That can really be part of your appeal. You know, I have definitely gotten jobs because I have a mix of different industries and backgrounds, and I'm going into an industry that's looking for fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. Absolutely. So I would really encourage you to own your newness and know that there's gold to be had in that as well. Sure. Christina, another related question that we hear a lot is, how do you help convince a future employer that even though you're new to an industry or even a style of work, like going from freelance to full-time, how do you convince someone that you are equipped for it, even though you might have what seems like a very different background? So say you've been, for example, working in hospitality for a while, and Mm -hmm. now you want to go right into tech. For one, if you're someone who's changed industries a couple of times, and I have my hand up, hi, my name is Christina, (laughs) showing that you've done it before successfully is a really great way to demonstrate that you can do it again. You know, I have a track record of being able to kind of make these leaps from one world to the next and learn quickly, as well as bring that outside perspective that demonstrates why a new person would be valuable. So that's kind of the easy one. If this is your first time doing it, this is where coming back to those stories, as well as kind of finding the kernels of what is consistent, whether they are skills, heart technical skills, soft skills, the ways of communicating and collaborating that you bring to the table that will translate easily, are really valuable. And sometimes it's just the confidence to say, trust me, like put me in coach, I got this. You know, (laughs) I remember in one of of my interviews during my MBA experience, when they were pretty skeptical that my opera background had anything to do with what they were up to. I said, (laughs) listen, I thrive from the high five that like, Oh, I love that. Yes. It was like the curtain goes up. 
We made everything happen. Like high five backstage. We did it guys. That drives me. And that was a way for me to help them understand that like project based work is what is going to keep me excited and keep me going rather than the sort of everyday looks a little bit like the day before that I really like the cadence of the crunch time going toward that deadline. Everything is on the line, hitting that goal, big high five teamwork, also crucial to get across in that example. And that that's what really is translatable, whether it's in opera or in, I don't know, the beauty industry. Yeah. What I love about this is that switching industries really can be a hotbed for imposter syndrome. And I think it's so natural to feel vulnerability and even shame around this. It reminds me of this Joseph Campbell quote where he says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And what that means to me is, for example, when I was starting to work more as a writer and a a copywriter, a content strategist, producer, I used to really kind of hide the fact that I'm also an actress in job interviews. But, you know, I had this thought where I was like, why am I hiding something that is such a source of passion for me. I really had to examine it. And I talked about this in episode 102, about how I made that connection between the ability to write in different voices with the ability to form different characters. But to your point in the opera, Christina, also my ability to lead with empathy, perform in incredibly high stakes scenarios, Mm -hmm. ride the wave of uncertainty, right? Really start to unpack some of those overarching qualities qualities that I was able to say, yeah, I'm an actress and that's why I'm going to bring value to this. And so I would say, for example, if you're going from a freelance creative industry to one that's full-time, think about how you've been able to cultivate stability in a naturally unstable field, how you've been able to be both autonomous and collaborative. Really start to unpack these universal traits that have made you successful in a separate field up until now. Absolutely. I mean, it it really, for me, it comes down to if you understand why you're making the switch, then you should be able to help someone else understand it. Potentially, what is coming up if you're struggling to help someone understand that connection is that you might not have done that work yet. You might not understand how your work translates. Maybe you just want to try something new, which is fine. Totally. But like that actually might be an opportunity for you to sit down and try to piece that narrative together first. Because once you get it, you can help someone else connect those dots too. That's right. And if they don't get it, which there will definitely be people who don't, then fine, right? You are on your train and your train is going whether or not they're going to jump on board. This is the perfect test of are these your people? Yes. You know, like if they don't value the interdisciplinariness that you bring to the role, then find someone who does because that's part of your superpower. That's going to be part of why they want to hire you. And if they don't see it, this isn't it. Keep looking. 
By the way, I was just saying this to a friend the other day that as someone who has a lot of different interests, I always love when I can eliminate an option. I really do. Like I've started to really enjoy that to say, oh, that's not my place. And that's okay. That's just helping me get closer to what is. Because the fact of the matter is you are not someone who is probably going to be happy being boxed in, right? Like that is what we are all about is not letting that happen (laughs) to you. (laughs) And so as you continue to, as you said, Christina, own your story, other people will want to read it. They really will. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. 
Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now I know a lot of you have been listening to our conversation and probably hopefully thinking, oh, this resonates. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can work on that. And there are likely many of you who are thinking, yeah, Kate and Christina, but what do I put on my dang resume, website, and or LinkedIn? (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk some brass tacks here, shall we? Okay, this This one is is a hard one. Yeah. For sure. Um, And (laughs) I I would kind of break apart those three different channels because they're actually a little bit different each of yeah, them, right? they really are. So the problem with your website or LinkedIn is that there's only one version that lives on the internet, right? Certainly with LinkedIn, I would say, yes. Yeah, like a, a yeah. resume you can tailor for different jobs. You can kind of keep, and I do keep one really long, it's like seven pages, CV, a full resume with all of the things that I've done. Oh, your master resume. Exactly. I love this. I'm laughing because I was internally <laughs> counting how many resumes I've made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I'll, I'll change which projects at each job I highlight depending yeah. on what I'm going for. Or I might modify my language to be more STEM focused or be more teaching focused or yes. you know, whatever it is, depending on the job. Even change kind of the order of prioritization, just exactly. small steps, right? Exactly. Yep. 
But LinkedIn and your website, you got to put one version out there and that's all you have, at least for now. So here's how I would approach it. I think LinkedIn can be really great for people who have a straightforward resume. Since that's not us, and (laughs) I get a little bit frustrated with it sometimes, I have chosen to not use it like a traditional resume. I do not put the content of what I did at each job under each of my job listings. I just list the job title and the company it's for and the dates. And then I include the blurb about what the company or nonprofit does. Like I just opt out of describing what I did. And the point is I want this to be incomplete so that you have to look for a second source to get more. Yes. I love this idea of the bare bones approach. Yeah. I want you to look for, you know, a second source, whether that's sending me a message for a conversation, whether that's going to my website or Googling me, I want you to keep going because on my website, I'm in control of the storytelling. And that's why I actually really support human Venn diagrams, having a personal website. First of all, you want to own your name on the internet to the best extent you can. So that when people Google you, you at least have some control over what pops up. And the best way to do that is to have a .com or .org or .co or whatever you need to have, but to have your name and to build a website. And there are really easy platforms like Squarespace that you can do this off of for super cheap without knowing how to code. But to have a website that says, here is who I am and here's how you can learn more. And there's a bunch of different ways you can go about it. There's one that we'll link to in the show notes, a friend of the pod, former guest, Sydney Skybetter. I think he does it brilliantly Yes, where he has a different page for each of the pieces of his Venn diagram. Choreographer, writer, teacher, researcher, consultant, he has a different page for each one and is able to really kind of tailor what he tells you about that side of himself, assuming that's the piece that connects for you. So you're able to kind of have all of your experience on there without dumping it all on one page in the way that LinkedIn can sometimes force. But that's my two cents. What do you think, Kate? I really like that. You know, for me, because of my work, I've really had to sort of think about it in two categories. My work as an actress, which also includes writing and directing, and then my work doing content strategy for for brands. So I actually am in the process of having two websites. And I know this sounds like, oh my gosh, double the work, double the fun. But really, (laughs) you know, what I started realizing, Christina, is that for my writing portfolio, I was really keeping that as a hidden page on my website. And by the way, I'm a big fan of hidden pages on websites, because you can still link to them and share. So say there's a portfolio Mm -hmm. that you've curated just for one specific person or company. Absolutely. Think about making that something that's just for your and their eyes only. There is no shame in that game. But what I started to to realize is that as my sort of consulting and strategy work started expanding, that it really just made sense for me to put my content and my writing portfolios on one website with that and my acting and directing work on a separate website. That's just what's worked for me and helped me feel really streamlined just because also what people want to see in each of those expressions of myself tend to be quite different. You know, I know that there's often a feeling of, I just want to let my work speak for itself, right? And what I actually feel like is that's absolutely a great strategy for online. So for me, 
a website like Vimeo has been very valuable to really curate what are the things that I've created as a producer, writer, and director and actress that I really want to sit there. So I've actually been thinking less about LinkedIn and more about Vimeo and my own personal portfolio. So I think the point is, is this is a moving organism and you are behind the wheel here. You can really, by how much you choose to include on each platform, you can really help guide people to the one that you want them to be on. You can, and you can decide, do I want people to see that one unified theory of me with, you know, with all of my pieces or like you're doing, Kate, do I want to have kind of a different homepage for each of them? And there's no right answer. It really just depends on how you want to position yourself. Yeah. And by the way, because we live in the world of the internet and everything is searchable, I do want to say that I feel very much at comfort with all of my portfolio being available to everybody because it makes sense to me, right? This has just sort of Mm -hmm. helped me have this drawer for these projects and this drawer for those projects. Those could be different pages or different websites altogether, and only you know what's going to feel right to you. So tell us about yourself. How are you navigating speaking about your human Venn diagramness? We love hearing from you. You can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at TLDNEpod, or you can email us at hello at TLDNEpodcast.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 833-HI-TLDNE. That's 833-448-5363. Then dial 803. And we'll link to the PwC Personal Brand Workbook, the core strength articles we mentioned, relevant past episodes, and even our own links so you can see how we are cracking this. You'll find all of those at tldnepodcast.com slash 121. Thanks so much to our producer, Maya Cole, and to you for tuning in. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts if you like what you heard. It really helps us get the word out to fellow human Venn diagrams. Until next time, remember, the the limit limit does does not exist. exist. (laughs) (laughs) The Limit Does Not Exist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. 
Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.